All right. All right. I was already recording before. That's totally T- fine. <laughs> All right. Let the hijacking commence, but you have to clap me off to hijack if you want to. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Welcome back to Ebology, everybody. I am your irredeemably lazy Professor Ricky. And I'm your hijacking Professor Ethan. Today I'm hijacking oh this episode, mother suckers. Oh, shit. Yeah, you, you thought you were going to get Yeah, you thought you were going to get a normal episode? Nah. I decided. Whoa. <laughs> I decided I'm hijacking the beginning of this. The, the, I mean, I got whiplash already, but like, I'm curious to see where this goes. So I wanted to talk about something quick, and it's okay. it's a topic we we've delved into just a tiny bit. But I just re or I just watched season two of Daily Life of the Immortal King, that Chinese anime that we watched couple, yes. maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple a little bit. Yes, I have. Season two was uneffing believable. They they like really. They spent a lot of time. Like like as a studio trying kind of weird and interesting things. It's sort of like, Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember that? I can't remember which show it was that we watched. It might have been Batman Ninja or whatever, where they just like they would randomly change to like a different art style entirely. Oh, yeah. I've seen shows lately really capitalize on that. And it's been really interesting to see that be kind of a trope visually. So I was just thinking like. While I, of course, do not back really anything China does or it's, you know, it's media, I don't understand why, but the Chinese, like, anime kind of studios, they feel like they have the ability to just try whatever the fuck they want, and I kind of am really digging that. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a kind of new frontier, and even if it's not, it definitely isn't a well-tread uh, you know, kind of thing that China does from on an international stage, right? I mean, you have America that's making some interesting Western style animes, but then obviously Japan is the goat when it comes to producing animes. So they have nothing to really adhere to in terms of troping and stuff like that. And in a lot of ways, like we see it from a Western perspective, watching anime as a newcomer, you're kind of uh inundated with you know, Japanese assumed cultures, customs, social aspects, right? So maybe it could be an element of, you know, China's making anime or just animated shows, but it's coming from the perspective of Chinese culture. So there's maybe, it feels maybe a little different and therefore they feel like they can do whatever the heck they want because even if they are producing a lot, that's definitely going not going international, right? Not like a Japanese anime would. So we don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Like maybe they have just like ridiculous budgets, and and I think that what's kind of interesting is like you'd expect China to be doing like some frankly like dirty shit, like sneaking in propaganda and stuff. But it's like it seems like there's not really any of that, and it's just sort of like a fun shonen show. And so like I'm kind of wondering like. Who's just giving them billions of dollars, it seems like, to do just, like, wild <laughs> animation? Like, that show that I suggested to you not too long ago, too. The, like, uh... Yeah, the... Bless um, Me, Dear Lord, or whatever it was. Dear Lord, yeah. Um, it, Which, again, that and it looked insane. Just, like, incredible, incredible, like, art and, like, visuals. And, like, uh, especially, like, fight scenes and stuff like that, they take to a whole new level... 
But it was like, it was really, really, really interesting. They did this, this one episode in Daily Life of the Immortal King season two, where this demon yeah. lord is like messing with uh, our main character's like dimension and puts him in this like weird dimensional rift or something. So he like walks, weird. he walks out of this door and turns into like this super blocky 3D model, like him and the girl he's with. Whoa. Yeah, and so it looks like sort of like in one of those early video games maybe that you'd play on like the N64. Obviously a little bit nicer than that. But I'm like, I'm thinking like, right. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that looks horrible. But then they like actually play that up. They're like, they use that as sort of like, a, well, you know, I'm just going to hack into the system and kind of, I'm going to increase, um, I'm going to increase the like sharpness. I'm going to increase the the frame rate and stuff like that. And it sharpens them up. So then they, Strange. yeah, they start looking like better, like 3D models. And then they actually use the idea of like computing power and like stuff like that to like break the quote unquote illusion or the um, dimensional rift. So he turns on, sure. he turns on ray tracing. He does particle effect. <laughs> he like starts doing all these things that like if you're a gamer and you like have a computer at it. home, yeah. you know that this is gonna fuck the the frame rate up. <laughs> Absolutely blow that CPU out yeah, of the water. He's like, uh, let's turn on that uh, that ray tracing from Nvidia, and it just like absolutely <laughs> melts. It like melts this like dimensional rift they're in, and like returns them back to their like 2D kind of life. But literally couldn't even render it. The the simulation did not have enough GPU to handle his needs. I love that. Right. I just thought it was like, <laughs> I mean, people say this shit all the time, but like such a brave like choice. Uh, no, it was just like, it, it is honestly it's cool. Yeah. It's cool that they're willing to try like wild shit like that. And that show in particular is a lot like Psyche K where it's just like one, the, the main character is just like uber, uber, uber powerful. And all he's trying to do is live a normal life. And, and I, I like the idea. Again, it could come down to, I was, as you were talking, I was curious. I wonder if China has the same, uh, you know, crunch culture for their animators as maybe like just the Japanese animation industry at large. Right. So you're thinking, how do they have that much money? How do they get away with making something look this good or this brave or this, you know, uh, like cutting edge in just kind of application of animation. Maybe they just have more freedom and less pressure to churn it out. Right. Because you think, you think a studio like a one Mappa and all that, they, uh, they're under some pressure to put out X shows a year from their execs. I wonder if Chinese animation studios have yet to be subject to something like that. Put us 20 years from now. I wonder if, you know, the manhwa adaptation industry in Korea or the Chinese manga animation industry adaptation stuff gets to a point where it, it matches the crunch culture maybe of Japanese animation studios and it won't, it, maybe we're just in a golden age of Chinese animation, but as of right, like modern Chinese animation trying to breach the anime space, you know, but they are not under the same scrutiny as maybe the, some of the other animators in Japan might be. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know the answer. I don't think either of us do. I don't know how much like real info you can get out of China, frankly. Like, it, like I said, there is a lot of like propaganda and shit like that that you'd have to parse sure, through. Yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it's, it would be interesting to like find out whether they're like studios have a better work life balance and stuff like that. Because like, I think potentially you could look at it like from a you know a national perspective maybe they're just investing in the like the idea of like china not not so bad you know 
Not so bad. Yeah. And I maybe maybe it, it just comes down to the I don't know, the pressures of not just the studio at large, but uh, for the leadership, their stakeholders need to make that cash and they need that intellectual property return of investment, right? That IPROI, baby. We got to get that rolling and churning and make that money. But it all comes down, I think, to probably, you know, good or bad leadership at that point. Well, I would just think it would just be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. That's fine. I, I was saying, <laughs> I, I was hijacking your hijack. I'm being hijacked. That's what was going on You're there. You're the captain now. Yeah. I'm the captain now. And speaking of great leadership, <laughs> we are kind of going back to some serious early days of the Webology podcast eras. And we used to have, uh, every so often, we'd do a favorites episode of just a topic or a subject in anime. We have. I would like to think grown as professors and teachers in our own right. So the topic we have today, I'd like to spin in a new kind of flavor than just, oh, our favorite X's. But what I had thought it'd be fun to talk about today was some of our favorite senpais and sensei in anime to date. But I want to take a different hue at it because I'd like to actually see if we could construct or decide for ourselves who our favorite senpai or sensei is if we were to be under their stead, to receive their style and the benefits of their tutelage, right? So as we go through and discuss the different kinds of senpais and senseis in anime, I'd want to see maybe like if we can kind of uncover our ideal style, our ideal, you know, a uh, teacher or a sensei that we'd have and think we'd work best with as uh, as a student. We're putting ourselves in the student's shoes, Ethan. This is what we got to do. We got to see both sides. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's kind of I think it's going to probably tie in pretty well with like, oh, the best of the best teachers are good for a reason. And maybe that's just all we're going to have to talk about. Um, I have uh, I've kind of like took a little bit of a different approach. So there's going to be some shows where. I'm going to pose a question to you and we're going to like Ooh, figure okay. out, you know, maybe based on okay. the cast of teachers <laughs> who who would actually ah, be true. the best. True. And I think that that's part of the question of what makes a good or great sensei or senpai in anime. And is it a squad? Does it take a village to provide tutelage? Or is it really like, do you have more respect for a one man show? Of a teacher, say, of maybe like, um, I don't know, Onizuka. Kind of like your one-man show, right? Right. And like, I think it's as good a place to start as any. Onizuka is an all-time teacher. While like a complete, yes. utter, disgusting scumbag, he also like legitimately just for, I think it's just his level of like deep care for his students um, and, and it's almost yeah. like he's lived kind of a shit life. So he's like, you know, I'm going to let my, make my students like, um, pretty much do as, like as, as well as possible. Yeah. And I, I, cause I wanted to bring up Onizuka first because I think uh, as I was thinking of like just this, a group of the most elite teachers, I find for me, one of the, uh, kind of greatest marks as a teacher is having lived that which you're trying to teach. Onizuka is like a thugged turned educator. 
right? He knows if he's about to tell you, don't get mixed up in this shit. It's bad for you. He's coming from a place where his experience provides credence to that which he teaches. I consider Kakashi very much in the camp of Onizuka. And as I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, both of them are pretty aligned. They have lived through the shit. They're trying to teach the benefits of either staying away from or prioritizing. They have experience under their belt. I don't know if there's there's some teachers in anime that don't have that. So I think that's why, in my opinion, Onizuka it, it highlights one of the big tenets for me as a teacher. You have to have lived what you're teaching, right? Really get the real experience of it all. I don't know. I, I guess my rebuttal to that would be like sometimes I can give better advice even like, you know, just like an as an outside opinion to a situation than I think like, OK, like if you're living it, of course, you have like a very specific set of like, I guess, experiences with something. Right. And maybe like you're you're kind of twisted in a certain direction based on like the emotional impact of a situation where like exactly sometimes it is necessary yeah. to have that like sort of clinical outside opinion sort of you know looking down from like a logical perspective rather than necessarily something like inextricably tied to emotion yeah um i trying to think of like examples of like seeing that kind of thing i mean i i first thing that comes to mind might be bisky from hunter x hunter where uh very kind of she's a hard ass for sure and she's very experienced in her own right but her outside clinical view lets uh Kilua and gone like hear the exact issues that they have with their net she takes that very much that approach so i think maybe you're right a clinical object like having lived through that which you're teaching like in onizuka or a kakashi may m- make you a bit subjectively skewed in the way that you teach but having that kind of outside subjective maybe almost like a gojo he's just that powerful and he can identify with that objective view what yuji needs to do to get better at curse energy stuff like that right is maybe that adds for more poignant directed teaching which is actually a really interesting thing yeah i don't know just like sometimes you almost need that teacher that's sort of above it all to like help you get through the bullshit yeah you know what i mean well, yeah. so I guess you you did you've been kind of talking about Kakashi a little bit. I, this is where I wanted to ask you. So, like thinking of Naruto as a series, like mm-hmm. I, it almost feels like certain teachers are just so like honed in on specific ones of their students that I honestly can't really go out there and say that they're like like Kakashi was not a good teacher whatsoever to Sakura and frankly Naruto, <laughs> like pretty pretty like um, leave them to the wayside and let someone else kind of deal with them. And then, like, yeah, okay. think about Jiraiya. He, he was only, like, yeah. Naruto's teacher. Tsunade really liked, only taught uh, Sakura. I'd like to use the Jiraiya-Kakashi kind of comparison here because it's really interesting you said that because looking back, you're 100% right. If you think of the way that he taught Naruto, at his best, he just big-brained away for Naruto to train faster using just his experience with Shadow Clones, right? But if you look at the way he taught Sasuke, he didn't just impart on him knowledge he felt, again, he had specific experience with having uh, one Sharingan, which means he's developed techniques with it, which makes Sasuke a great pupil for him. So there must be some kind of connection here in the similar vein like that. But 
I just imagine that that scene where Kakashi tied Sasuke to the tree and really gave him a hard lesson about revenge and how toxic and corrosive it can be to a psyche. And that he never gave to uh, Naruto. Fuck, even not even close Sakura. Right. Like he only really did what I would consider good attempted tutelage in in your definition to Sasuke and Sasuke alone. Right. right, and that's kind of what I was thinking is, like, he, he honestly treated the other two, like, borderline mince meat, and of course, like, I think there's, um, I, I don't know how to really phrase it, but the fan base as a whole looks at Kakashi with, like, such, like, rosy, rosy-colored glasses. They when, like, do! I was gonna bring that up. He, he, like, genuinely did not help all that much until, like, really the end when he like finally gets his student back, you know what I mean? Like his boy. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where I kind of was, was going with my criticism potentially of what you were saying is like Kakashi lived Sasuke's life. He didn't never, he never lived Naruto's life, but what I think would have been more poignant as like a, you know, teacher student thing was if Kakashi sort of felt like he was, like making up for the wrongs he had against, you know, his buddy Obito through Naruto. Like that to me would would have been like a pretty good option from like a show standpoint. Be like, you know, I'm like what 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 would I have said to Obito right, right. if I had another chance? Yeah. Like I think that could have been really, really poignant, but instead he spends literally in his entire like time and I think it's like obviously front end loaded. Of course he's he's dealing with all three of them. And, like, he's a fairly good, like, Genin teacher. But once they start really, like, growing, it did seem like he sort of, like, just... He's like, hey, Naruto, you know, I know your dad was, like, my homie, my sensei, but here's here's (laughs) his sensei. Go go learn from him. Yeah, right. Yeah, go do that shit real quick. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I like the way you maybe have kind of poked a bit of holes in the fan base's idea of Kakashi. And it... It makes me think all the harder about about Jiraiya because I think of also the oh like who else could be considered, you know, Naruto's like quote unquote sensei or senpai. And I think of B. And now I wonder, was Jiraiya actually a better teacher than B in terms of results? But I, I don't know. Jiraiya just maybe really truly seems like he doesn't have the same kind of way that Kakashi never lived Naruto's kind of life, but he resonated a lot with what he saw in Sasuke. I felt like B could do that better for Naruto than Jiraiya could. So maybe why why was Jiraiya, or at least is seen across the board as a better teacher for Naruto? Is this the, the work he put in? Um, just maybe how he how formative he was in just, like, those years that he had. I don't know. I, I it, There's some ways I think that B might have been a better teacher than Jiraiya. Yeah, so, like, I sort of view B, of course he was, like, uh, sort of a teacher, mentor, kind of... I think Senpai fits way better with B than, like, really teacher. Because they really, uh, they really so are peers. They really are yeah. peers, like, in a, okay. obviously in a lot of cases. Like, both being Jinchuriki, being the two strongest Jinchuriki, like, you know... Of course, he was a perfect in Cherokee, so he had to like kind of explain that and show him kind of the ropes there. But I, yeah, right. And like, I think it is undeniable that Jirai is a good teacher because just because yes. of the caliber of students that he he like churned out. If you really think about it, like obviously you you do have like um, 
Minato, but you have Yahiko, Conan, and Nagato as well. Nagato, yeah. Jesus um, Christ, like literally one of the, the the biggest bruisers of the series up to a certain point. So, I mean, and, you know, Jirai had the heaviest of hands teaching him how to use his abilities. So I, I think you make a good point is that maybe in the discussion of favorites or ideal senpais slash senseis, it's important to differentiate the terms senpai versus sensei. And I think so I do have, you know, B versus Jirai. B versus Shirai is a great example of that, right? Yeah. Is that it's, it's just B is just he's kind of at Naruto's level just further along in his journey, whereas like a sensei is someone truly providing tutelage. It's not like I'm gaining experience because you're kind of on my path, but a sensei is showing me the path. Right. Yeah, and I almost feel like your sensei's job, at least in anime, is to like really impart the morals to you, maybe, and like impart like your path or reinforce your path. Whereas like the senpais, like the older students, I I sometimes think of like Lamillion and you know whatever Sun Eater and Spiral Chick from My Hero Academia. They're obviously the like big three, right? They're, they're senpais. They're big senpais for for like our our main cast. Um, but, yeah. but they don't necessarily, other than Lamillion, like really go in depth and like teach them anything. They just sort of like, they're like, yeah, we're just farther along the path, the journey, the path. But, but like, you know, there's some, they're like almost like an ideal to look up to. But I did, I did want to step back and say, like, while I loved Asuma, I didn't really feel like he was a great teacher to the other two. But even though he, oh, he like was, yeah. he was emphasizing the Inoshikacho like formation. So of course that was great. But the teacher I thought did the best was actually Guy Sensei. Now, of course, he's without a fucking yeah, doubt. He's extremely like, there is no question. Extremely yeah. Lee focused, but Lee needed let's frank let's frank ugh, let's face it needed the most. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, to, 100%, tutelage he, of course he did. and like frankly, he needed that uh, that backbone, like kind of pushing him forward. But I, yeah. I still think he did a good job with. Um, with Neji and other chick. Uh, <laughs> I forget her freaking name. Uh, what's her? Uh, Tintin. Fen-fen? Tintin. Oh, sorry. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a test. Um, that was a test. You've passed it. <laughs> you see, she's so forgettable. But even still, I think he did a good job of like really pushing them forward as well. And then like, of course, bringing Lee up to a, a kind of a position to where he enabled him to even use the Lotus, even though it's like pretty bad for you, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, remember Kakashi looks at him. He's like, why the hell did you teach him that? You know? And he's like, because he's my this boy. Is what he, he's my boy. This is what he has. Right. And I think that I, there's another pillar there of, you know, the spectrum of hard assery when it comes to a teacher's or a senpai's kind of, uh, or even sensei's energy in an anime, um, I think a big tenant of who we as a fan base consider, quote unquote, the best teachers is when on the face of the way or that which they teach any of their individual students, especially the ones that they focus on, right? Like think Kakashi with Sasuke, think Guy with Rock Lee, and even think, if you want to think like Izumi Curtis from Full Metal with the with the two brothers, right? She literally strands their ass on an island until they figure out the secret and understanding of alchemy themselves as nine-year-olds. 
What a fucking psychotic thing. But all of that comes back to say is that a core tenant of these legendary teachers is they trust their students that they have the capacity and sink or swim is what it seems like on the surface, but they have this underlying true trust of their ability to swim and not sink, right? Izumi didn't put them on that island because she thought they would die. She did think that she knew there was a possibility, but she trusted the brothers and what they were capable of because she saw their skill. Guy saw that with Rock Lee. Kakashi saw that with Sasuke. Even at the behest, like, like, uh, not the behest of just the students, but like everyone else around him says, you're fucking insane for doing what you're doing. Like, from an outsider's perspective, that's insane. But only the teacher, the sensei-student relationship, could anyone understand, no, this kid has the chops for the eight gates. This kid has the chops for the Chidori. This, the, these brothers have the chops for alchemy. So I think that might be a part of it, that implicit, unwavering trust of a sensei that their student can and will make it happen. And it looks, from an outside perspective, like, they're insane. Why would you teach a young person something so extreme? Right. But they have the trust. It's kind yeah. of interesting. All those teachers you just talked about, they do view their students as like borderline, like surrogate children. I think definitely yeah, it, was a, a good, yeah. it was a case for Izumi, Curtis. It was definitely the case for Guy Sensei. Um, and then I think I just blanked on who I was going to mention, but it was really, really good point. It was super poignant. I swear to God, it was the best <laughs> point that I've ever oh, made. No. Um, it, that's a lot of talk for a point that doesn't exist. Yeah. What sensei, what sh- we'll, we'll find our way back. What show you're going to be referring? I honestly can't even remember. It was a, too long of a buildup. I had to let your, your whole thought end, and then I had to begin oh, my thought. Shit. I dissolved your thought with my brain power. We're, yeah, we're yeah. at odds right now. Shit. If it comes back, you you stop me. Oh, I'll, I'll for sure. I'll just oh. hop in. I'll re-hijack this. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I guess it's a question for you. Would you rather have a teacher that is going to probably use methods that more likely than not will cause extreme bodily harm or mental anguish? Like uh, I need the teacher I kind of mentioned before um, thinking of like uh, trying to think who else I could guess. Like, maybe like a Genki even from Yu Hakusho. There we go. She That's like actually a- who I was going to talk about. So Genkai yes, does borderline view um, Yusuke as like a kid, a surrogate child. Like because she, yes, she talks she about him as like a, like a young kid. You know what I mean? And so like just it seems like the teachers that at least as a like anime community we really get behind are the ones that like view these people as their kids, like Piccolo even, right? Like yes, I was basically a surrogate father. <laughs> like and and he he is actually, I would argue, is a wonderful teacher archetype in anime and even just storytelling in general. The reluctant but caring teacher, right? I did not want this position. Piccolo was like Goku's dying wish was make sure my son is prepared and he took it upon himself to really you know commit to that so initially he was so reluctant ready to just let this kid fucking die but kept seeing sparks of actual battle genius in this kid so he just like slowly 
became the best dad of the series. And we've said that from day one. Like that's a day one or opinion of ours that he is the best dad of that show. Yeah. So I did. Um, I did want to actually revisit this because I was thinking about that first you know, that was. I'm pretty sure that was episode one. We did actually. It was episode the one. Yeah, I yep. do think. While of course Goku, big shit bag, he did know how to bring out like <laughs> the strength and the best in his kid. If you really think about it, because like when they're in the hyperbolic time chamber, yep. Like yeah, he did know that there was like another level to go to bring kind of Gohan to Super Saiyan, um, and and yeah. uh, even farther beyond. Uh, he got him to that ascended Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan two, um, and like as a wee lad, yeah, right. As a little kid, he he helped you know empower him to be the str- essentially the strongest in the series to that point. And like we we talked about, like oh, he spent most of his time not living with his kid. He was mostly dead. And like, of course, that's true. Like he he, he was dead for a lot of the kid's <laughs> it life. Is true. And yeah. like Piccolo had yeah. to raise him. But I do think it was right. interesting that like. While, of course, he, he he didn't live with him, didn't really raise him. Gohan was super like um, super in awe of his dad, of course. But then also, when it came down to it, and they're like, "Yeah, the the world's gonna end if we don't stop Cell." He did find yeah. a way to empower and like foster the 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 embers of just absolute unbelievable power that Gohan had hiding within. And, like, it's funny, like, Goku sounds like such a dumb fuck through the whole series, and then you hear him talk to, like, Gohan about, like, the, the, the deeper power and, like, embracing it and stuff like that, and you're like, this guy's actually not a dipshit. And so, I don't know, it just, no, it just made me, like, rethink, like, maybe he wasn't as bad of a dad as we were saying. I think, I, I so it's funny you say that, because my opinion, if I were to revisit it now, is I think... Goku is still a bad dad but as a like as someone who has been taught and does teach fighting prowess he's a good teacher a good Saiyan warrior uh kind of he he I mean Goku has been by Vegeta's own admission uh, been labeled time and time again as a fighting prodigy on a universal scale like he is Beyond just like he's not an he's not an elite Saiyan. We I mean I guess he is first and foremost, but even Vegeta's like he literally has the battle prodigy of like the best any race can offer. It's insane. So Goku's ability to train someone as a warrior, not as a son, I think is where that comes in. Piccolo managed to do both, but he came at it when he was a kid during like I'm just trying to make sure that you are strong enough to help with Vegeta and, you know, uh, what what's the other guy's name? The Wow, I'm blanking on the bald guy. Nappa, duh, Nappa. Um, <laughs> Nappa know-how. So, Nappa know-how right there. And, you know, he, he literally was told, like, you got to get this kid strong enough to help in that fight. But Piccolo took it one step further and actually raised the motherfucker. Like he actually made like the this is what you should value value life you know protect those needing protecting and anyone who would infringe upon it this is where this battle stuff comes in, um so was Goku a good dad? Nah, I still well, think he I almost was a feel like dad, I almost feel like but, Piccolo was able to voice what Goku's actual actions were because he gives everything you know what I mean to to save the world and to fight 
So like That's maybe Piccolo fair. was just able to like actually articulate what Goku's like real deep down thoughts are. But I think you know, thinking about that series, we would be remiss to not mention Master Roshi. Um, yeah, we have to. We have to. Um, definitely like a legendary teacher within anime, of course, but even specifically mm-hmm. to the fact that he's like uses Goku's just absolute idiocy to trick him into fighting him as Jackie Chun. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right there. So, I mean, honestly, like that's another tenant of good teacher situ like a good teacher situation with Master Roshi, I think as a Colary a bit of, you know, Gojo. And uh, he and the way that like he was, you know, teaching uh teaching Yuji, it was kind of to Yuji's strengths, right? Or uh, what would seem unorthodox up top actually turned out to be the most optimal training session or training method for the actual student. And Gojo seemed to pick that out from top from up top, just like Master Roshi can. Master Roshi, like you said, literally uses Goku's like smooth brainness to actually get him to train harder and be stronger. So for a student to know, sorry, for a teacher to know their student that well, right. As to on the fly, like, okay, this is going to work for you. Well, it kind of humbled him too, because Goku was like in this mindset where he was like the baddest bitch on earth. So so Jackie Chun comes over and just waxes him real quick in that first tournament that they fight and, you know, beats his ass quick. And he's like, he's like, guess what, little boy? You're you're not, you know, un- unbelievably powerful. You're not unstoppable. Untouchable, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that kind of like reinvigorated Goku into to to basically train more. And then of course the you know the rest is history um, from that perspective. But I did want to mention basically a whole cast of teachers. I don't recall if you and Cody had watched Kanichi after I originally asked you to. Did you? We did a bit. Yes. Okay. Uh, We did not go much further. (laughs) That's fine. So it's like a 50-something episode series. Well, the whole series is essentially this kid, Kenichi, who's like completely average at everything. He goes to this place, uh, uh, Rio's Unpaktu or something like that. Which yeah, is and Paktu, I think it sounds um, Which is like this martial arts dojo that has like six masters of these different martial arts that live there. Yeah. And each of them yeah. are like phenomenal teachers for him for, for a myriad of ways, but obviously mainly around martial arts. But there's one in, in particular I really wanted to mention. His name's Akichi. Um Funnily enough, similar to uh, what's his face, uh, Akechi Onizuka, but his name, oh, sorry, it's, yeah. it's Akis, Akisama Kotsuji, which I could have sworn they called him Akichi, but anyway, uh, he's the one, he's like the judo guy who is, yes. he's like wearing yes. the, the kind of like long, uh, not a dress, but the long like robe thing. But he always like he teaches mm-hmm. him not only like combat, but really teaches him about life and teaches him about kind of like, what what's the right way to deal with a lot of these situations cuz there, there's a this like long kind of series of uh situations in which Kenichi is like forced to fight every single fucking day and it's it's definitely yeah. like a situation yeah. that could force you to like really be a bad guy but he's like seems to be like the, really the moral um kind of compass of the show and he's like an incredibly strong 
uh, martial artist, but he's also like a world renowned. Uh, I think he's like a artist, painter, sculptor kind of thing as well. And so it's just kind yeah, of like he, he he just looks frail. Like he's a very like slim dude, but he's like insanely stupid strong. But he like he has like an orthopedics clinic and like he just I don't know. And yeah, I think it's like calligraphy, painting, poetry and sculpting on the side. And he speaks Russian fluently. Dude's got a he's got a bit of a life to him for sure. Right. So I just wanted to mention them sort of as like a full squad because all of them did a lot uh, for him, like teacher wise. But then, of course, like specifically, I always felt like th- th- I mean, there was two that did a lot. Uh, um, Akisame, who we just talked about. And then there's the the Kung f- uh, karate guy. I forget his name. And for some reason, my phone is spazzing out, so I can't read it. Uh, Shio Sakaki. What's that? Uh, Shio Sakaki. Yes, thirty-year-old. Uh, yeah, Sakaki, thirty-year-old master of karate. Yeah, and uh, he's just this like dude in a leather jacket. Right. He's like, yeah. He, I, I remember him, and like, I love that every like. That's the thing, though, is that in this show, weirdly enough, is something I kind of, I definitely need to get back into. But I do remember all of them having like really distinct backgrounds, and I think that was kind of an uh an element of the whole show i mean the subtitle is the mightiest disciple right and having this entire slew of incredibly well-traveled and powerful in their own right uh you know senseis makes him mighty because of that diversity and that kind of goes back to what i was saying about how like i think some of the best teachers are the ones that have a, a bit of miles on their soul right and it's it's not that the other side of it where it's like there's a teacher that has been at the same academy or the same institution for like 35 years, hasn't got out much. They've only done this makes for bad teachers. But I found for me, the better ones I see in narratives are the ones that have lived their teachings and the mightiest disciple. A lot of them have kind of that element there, right? Cause they're not just teaching Kenichi those, uh, those fighting styles, but they're also teaching what they know to him. That's important. I think that makes for a good student. Right. Um, so two more, two more teachers that I wanted to mention that are sort of along those same veins. And sure. one of these is, I think, easily my top two teachers, which would be Koro Sensei from Assassination Classroom. And here we go. And yep. his like understudy guy from the Japanese Defense Force. Uh, the black hair dude? Yeah, yeah. His name's like Koro something. I'll find it in a second. That I will look up because Koro Sensei is interesting as a character because, well, one, obviously, mock, a mock 10. Karasume like, Tadome. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Koro Sensei from the same show, if you've never seen it, please, for the love of God, go do that. But, you know, a teacher that ha- is subject to a kind of transformation through means I will not say for spoiler's sake, but he becomes a, you know, Mach 10 traveling octopus looking creature. Yeah, space alien and boy. Basically a space alien. And he not only is brought in to train up a class of basically mediocre students in the ways of academics, but also making them strong enough to kill him by the end of the semester or the year, I think the academic year. Um, and if he uh, does not get killed by them, he will destroy the earth. 
Easy. Done. The whole premise is around teaching. And Kuro-sensei, to this day, in my mind, is top two, if not tied for the best teacher, period. Right. Because I totally agree. It, it, it literally, like, I, I don't know what blend of hard assery his substitute teachers or his teaching squad that he brings in, uh, the way he genuinely cares for these kids and tries to actually capitalize on each individual strength to gain some like growth in them. But he takes the time in each one of them to foster their own individual gifts. The manage the management of that alone is worthy of like top five spot, but he never seem he's always so proud like he's always proud of these kids and even when he's not he the way he punishes is very constructive it's very positive so i i don't know i i can't think of a better all-around gen purpose teacher than kuro sensei and there's nothing gen purpose about that show it's very wild as a concept. So yeah, it's it's sort of like a, a teaching philosophy that I think we don't really embrace really enough in the real world, which is like every student has a strength. You know what I mean? And like maybe if you're able to harness it and apply it to like a like a joint task, like for instance, uh, assassinating your your monster teacher. Um, yeah, right. right like right. you'd be able to like harness their ability and like still be able to teach them because i know like they started off as class e which is like the dumb dumb class essentially like way off in the woods and they decided yes, like yeah. okay these are all these guys, kids are all like down on their luck they're down on like self-esteem every one of them thought they were like dumb and stupid right and it's sort of like this thing i think like um in our kind of I mean, like, school system can be pretty tough if you're not, like, a top student, right? You know, sure. I, yeah. I honestly, like, I felt stupid at our school sometimes. Of, of course, like, <laughs> I know, I, like, that's same. not true. But, um, I, you know, there was times where I was like, you know, oh, well, actually, the best was in mechanical engineering. Uh, we did a, it's like a joint statics and dynamics class in college, it was not, oh, wow. it was not, oh, wow. not uncommon for people and, you know, multiple people at a table to be getting like a 12 on the exam, um, a <sighs> six, uh, you know, stuff like that. And, and, uh, Single digits, buddy. I'll oh, tell you God. what, I, there's plenty of times I got plenty of times I got single digits in that class and it, oh, it just buddy, like, I'm sorry. It just sort of like breaks you down piece by piece Whereas, like, there's got to be a better way to teach that subject without being like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're still a dumbass, you know? Um, so it's just something where I thought Koro Sensei did a phenomenal job. Like, he would even do, like, sort of remedial training for uh, specific students, depending on, like, what their specific needs were. But I, I think it also maybe illustrates a point, though, whereas, like, okay. that's totally possible, but only for teachers with Mach 10 fucking capabilities. And the, yeah, you know, I was going to say, you know, like super, super thinking capabilities and all of these like superpowers, essentially, it maybe like elevates the the role of teacher to like potentially a near impossibility for like an entire like, classroom. There are probably hundreds, if not thousands of teachers that probably have the mindset of Koro Sensei in the real world, but 
again, it's to your point, it's 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 asking the question, what if a teacher with that mindset had every ability to instantly enact that which they want to do or think about uh, like bolstering the skills specific to each student? If you can move Mach 10, I imagine that's actually a pretty trivial ask at that point, right? So there was this, uh, this one point, scene I think about constantly where yeah, he's yeah. teaching all of the students individually at once by just like moving between the desks moving at, so at Mach fast. 10. Um, and it's just like he has one after image at every right. desk. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? And like throwing a syllable out at each one of them to make a full sentence concurrently in the classroom that's insane a mat like that's why that show is so good because it's like as if a teacher had the blessing of teaching everyone at once in their own way it's amazing and so i i don't know it's i i just i just think like thinking back like your your idea that like we don't maybe like capitalize this in education systems at least maybe in the west that in my mind it's it seems to be more about like highlighting what you don't know for exams rather than bolstering what you do know and in you know uh, assassination classroom that seems to be koro sensei's uh entire vibe is like okay we do have to get you better at the things you're bad at but i'm gonna put priority on the things you already are good at. That's kind of, we see it with Kakashi. Even in the only time he gave a shit about Naruto, he capitalized on Naruto's strengths to bolster them further, using his strength with Shadow Clone to teach him wind style. That right there, I think, is another mark of a good teacher, is capitalizing on what you're good at while still being smart about getting you just good enough at what maybe you aren't strong at. So I, and I haven't really thought about this much, but isn't it a little bit fucked up that the only thing he ends up teaching him is also something that he like uses twice and then Tsunade is like, if he ever uses this again, it's going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the same with Rock Lee, though? Like initially using the gates, like nearly crippled his ass to, to high hell. Yeah, totally. <laughs> He only, yeah, so it's like, hey, you taught him a move that literally rips his bone, like his muscles from his bones. So <laughs> don't do that anymore, please. Yeah, so like, I guess we're going to have to see you at like, I don't know, court or something. Yeah, or you're, you're definitely getting federally charged for this egregious behavior, frankly. Who's the principal? Because I think you're going to have to have a meeting with the principal. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Do, do you have any, like, bad teachers in your brain? So, I know people are not going to agree with this, but I actually think Reagan is not necessarily a great teacher for Mob because he is, like, morally insanely corrupt and, like, pretty much just the worst possible person. Um, and, like, okay. we're honestly lucky that Mob is just, like, a good guy separate of the fact that Reagan is there. Because, like, imagine, like, uh, someone that powerful could fuck up the world pretty badly if you, like, are a morally corrupt dumb fuck. Um, but let me, hear, let me hear your thoughts on this real quick, though. Is that earlier in this episode, you said it's pretty easy to give advice that probably you should follow yourself. So even if you are not living in a certain way, you can at least give the advice that you probably should 
have always been giving. Um, do you feel that is not Reagan's bread and I butter? I think he because gives I feel half like the time gives good advice, half the time gives like the cheaters advice. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. And so you're right. it's like, also, I think a lot of times students, uh, they'll follow what they see rather than what they're told, you know, monkey see monkey do type situation. A hundred percent. And so like, yep. imagine if mob just like ends up doing what the guy's doing lies constantly kind of as like a, like a bad guy. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just think yeah. that it was like borderline very possible that that went poorly. <laughs> yeah. Cause he just like, Okay, Reagan said this one thing, but he gets the job done doing another. Right. So why would I? I'm just gonna do what he's. Do- I'm gonna do what he does, not what he says. Um. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I think a bad teacher adv- uh, example, and, and this is like an, a, another really reluctant situation, would be actually Saitama from One Punch Man. Now, okay, I'll hear. I want to hear your case on that because I immediately have a thought. So he, like I said, very reluctant, didn't even want to be the guy's teacher, but he does like sort of at some point say like, okay, yeah, I'll be your teacher, Zenos. Um, and then <laughs> there's like the situation when he's like, uh, Zenos is like really downtrodden about his like essentially lack of ability to like take out the elder centipede. And Saitama just goes, yeah, just be better. And then he's like, oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. I should have (laughs) replaced even my balls this time. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) he like uh, just sort of takes the wrong, you know, lesson. And so like, wow, of course, not really Saitama's problem. It's just like, I mean... It's almost like uh, like you can't be a good teacher by telling your guy just be better. But then like... Uh, no, you can't. I'm going to say that but, out of one side of my mouth. And then out of the other side of my mouth, I'm going to say it's what makes... Um, uh, what's the... Yami so much of a good quote-unquote teacher. Thank you. I was, I was waiting for Yami to come Out up. of my other side of my mouth because he just basically says, look, kids... You guys can do anything, like, everything is possible for you guys. Just break your limits. And they all kind of do. You know what I mean? And now... Every time. He did a great job Every of, single like, time. picking people with, like, really weird, specialized god abilities, to be fair. Um, yeah, right. But without that, like, constant backing of someone that's saying, like, you can do everything. You're a god. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't be able to achieve it. So like yeah and that's it's that's funny I think right there is another archetype I think is starting to be on the up and up again um but we've had it in I don't know I mean I mean I think we've actually had this in the past with like Urahara from Bleach where like they've already been a captain they've already achieved everything in their own right in their past and everything they learn is a bit from their own history uh, but kind of, I don't know if there's been many that has been so blatant like a Yami. And I love that it's just like, this is just what I did. I just broke my limits the same way any Shonen MC would be or any Shonen character. And lo and behold, they're all Shonen characters. He's the exact kind of person you want leading them because they're going to have to just do that. They would have had to without him telling her or not, but at least he's there to be like, look, this is what you have to do. Break your limits and we will get to the next arc. Let's go. 
Come on. <laughs> literally. Like, <laughs> we'll get to the next arc. Yeah, literally. Just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, look, we got Sakuga budget hitting right now. You guys look amazing. Just go crush it so we can get to the next arc. <laughs> it would be almost a little right, bit. Sounds good, Dark Daddy. Yeah, it sounds it'd be good, funny Dark Daddy. If he was go. like, you know, breaking the fourth wall like that. I think that would that be would like be a, so good. a very like fun little maybe like even just a special episode or something where he breaks he breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> right, right. Like it's almost like he knows he's in an anime. He he knows he's already had his own anime. Right. <laughs> and it's just like, "All right, guys, like we're at the end of the arc. The Sakuga's hitting. You just have to break your limits and pull out a new power. That's all you have to do." And everyone's like, "Oh, you're fucking right." And then Sakuga 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 next arc. It, it's almost like something like, that I knew you could do One it. Punch Man could do, like feasibly. Yes, yes, a hundred percent could do, right? Like, yeah, I know that this this feels like a final boss, right? Well, get to it then, Genos. Yeah, <laughs> go to town, <laughs> do what you, you got to do. But like, I I just wanted to say, like, I don't think he's necessarily a good teacher, Saitama, right? Like, because he's almost yeah, like right. apathetic toward the whole situation. He never wanted to be, you're right? He, he of his own admission, he he's not a good teacher. He never was going to be that. He's a hero, not a teacher, right? Yeah, but he also just like sort of buys into it and like lets Genos follow him around. I've been saying Zenos for some reason, but I meant Genos. <laughs> no, I heard you, Genos. And like, I I think to this day, I actually don't really understand why Saitama let that happen. Um, it's not like even it's not like Genos even broke him down that hard, right? It was like because one he was just kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like, nah, I don't want to do that teacher shit. Please, come on. And he's like, uh, okay, fine. And it's like, you have Fubaki who's like out here really trying to get him into like the B squad and like putting a lot of effort in. He's like, nah, fam, I don't want to do that. So I know he's resistant to it. I'm curious what it is about Genos. And I think it's the fact that he's like your standard MC pro tag. He has a chip on his shoulder. He has a bit of gifts. He has kind of a... You know, I wouldn't call him a sensei, but the dude who built his ass, I guess. Um, Doctor, what's his face? And then <laughs> maybe Sa- maybe Sa- Saitama saw all that and was just kind of like, "Yeah, you know what? Fine. Yeah, you can you can hang around. Let's let's uh let's throw bows here every once in a while. Let's do that." <laughs> so yeah, Saitama, bad teacher, but he never wanted to be, as we've said. He ne- he never wanted to be that kind of thing. So I-, I don't blame him for that, you know. So I wanted to mention two more. And then maybe yes. maybe I'll like sort of relinquish some of the the floor to you. But I liked a lot the teachers, quote unquote, from Haikyuu. That would be, I think the guy's name T- is like Takade. Yeah, Takade. Uh, yes. Itetsu, and then the other guy, of course, Ukai. Um, Ukai. I think duh, they both yeah. have like a very different roles of course in the show like ukai is like a direct teacher of like these are the you know the skills you need to learn to be good at volleyball but also like you can't win every game you know here's my grandfather's career he like gives them the whole like the foundation but what's cool about takeda is like while he does not know jack shit about volleyball he like he just like He's like one of those teachers that gets asked to do something to like uh like help out the kids, like be a sponsor, and then he just goes like buck fucking wild for it and like really back. How up do the I kids. reach these kids? Yeah, it's sort of like how, how do, do I, I reach, reach these, these kids? kids? <laughs> yeah. So I mean you're right, because like he, he's not there to get them better at volleyball. He's there to get them in the right headspace right. to get good at volleyball. Right. And he does that so damn well. 
And he come and I like I like his arc too because as the kids grow, he grows into his own as a teacher. I love that arc of I don't know what I'm doing. That might have been one of the few shining moments of Boruto, where uh Konoharmaru is basically like I never let it I never let a squad. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But he has Boruto, Sadra, and Mizuki or whatever his name is, and like he's like, this is a new Team Seven. There's some pedigree behind this. Like the old Team Seven won the war. You know, I need to learn how to be a good teacher for them. And I truly think uh, Konohamaru is basically his trajectory as a teacher is quite engaging. It's really cool to see a teacher come into their own. Takeda is basically a similar way in my mind, and uh, you know, we see the same thing similarly in, Bor- in Boruto. And again, it's rare when I'm going to be praising Boruto, so <laughs> definitely take this as fact, right? Is that of all of the <laughs> shit I see in Boruto, at least Konohamaru is basically, his journey is actually really cool and engaging. And I, I root for the guy because I, we, again, we, we grew up watching him as a kid and getting his own tutelage from Naruto. So I, I, I like that budding teacher while they have budding students and they both grow together. That's a really cool thing to have. And I think anime does that pretty well sometimes. And there's a couple other examples, but I think those are the two that stick out in my brain. Okay, so I'm going to talk maybe just one about One Piece, but you're not going to listen, okay? Okay, I'm going to shut my ears and you give the students their piece. Ready? Go. Okay, so Silver's Rayleigh. Everybody knows he's got to be on the list. My boy teaches him everything he needs to know about hockey. Gives him like the lowdown and then he pops the fuck off. One of the most legendary characters in the entire series and pretty much just lives with Luffy for a whole fucking year. I also love Garp. His early tutelage was extremely necessary and just like a fun like, you know, a grandpa that'll kick your ass but still teaches you how to do shit. Very important. Yamamoto. Got it. Right. And I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) wandered off for a bit don't know what you said about one piece but you know one day i will all good um you'll love it when you get to it (laughs) yes and the only that was the only people i was going to bring up were some of you know the quote-unquote senpais and senseis in bleach i feel like that they were done extremely well and i like see i was actually gonna say i didn't necessarily really like the teachers in in bleach interesting because it's almost like um interesting he's like sort of such an enigma like uh uh ichigo like as a whole where like he like sort of just is a god you know what i mean and he's almost like he's like too special in a lot of ways where it's like okay but this is this is what i wanted to say right is that i one of the things i said earlier in this episode is one of the tenets of teaching in anime i love is the sink or swim mentality Right. Like, I'm going to throw your ass in. If you get fucked by my teaching method, then, you know, you're like everybody else. But if you if you can survive this, then you you have the capacity to be as great as as I would expect. And Yamamoto is kind of a similar vibe with some of the captains. And, you know, Urahara is basically in my mind that way with Ichigo. Right. Ichigo is such a good student when thrown into the deep end. When his feet are to the fire, that's when he learns the best. I mean, Yorishi basically did the same thing with his Bankai training. Like, you have literally three days. If you don't do 
Bonkai in three days, you're dead. <laughs> like, you're going to die. Like, so hop to it, Skippy. Like, let's go. So I feel like Urahara is, and it was Urahara's basically, uh, you know, it was his sci- uh, scientific, soul scientific technique to get Ichigo to do that. But Yorichi was just the one who enacted it. He is, in my opinion, the epitome of sink or swim technique. He is like, I'm going to slash you now. If you can't defend, you're going to die. Because that is what I'm trying to teach you, is the feel of resolve of life and death. So, I'm going to come at you and I'm going to slit your fucking you know, chest open. If you can't block me, sorry. Like, <laughs> that, that's, that's what you have to learn. But I love teachers like that and but i think it requires the right student yeah ichigo is the right student well i was gonna say like bleach as a series is pretty interesting because he doesn't necessarily have like direct teachers he almost gets taught a little bit by pretty much every captain um yeah he just gets thrown in like be it a battle or an actual training session frankly like renji taught him a lot early on but of course he surpasses him like instantly and without any and then question, I was thinking really the best teacher he ever had was Shinji. Oh, when he taught him to be a wizard. I was thinking in the same vein of that was also Kempachi. Like really to get in tune, like those, that early battle he had with Kempachi was just like, don't you love this? Like you need to like learn to love right. this feeling of battle. That was because definitely true. Him, like, that definitely true. Yeah. He was like, look, I can tell you like this battle game. You're like me. You get off on this a little bit. And Ishigo's like, no, I'm doing this to protect my friends. But like, you even had Grimjow say that later too. Like, no, fuck you, dude. You didn't just come here to right. save Onohime. Like, you came here because you like to do this. This is your bag. Like, and I, you have to capitalize on that like kind of attraction to this lifestyle, to this battle style, or else you're never going to get better. And then like, this yeah. is going to get you better. And then Gin- yeah. Ginjo and the rest of the full bringers also were pretty big, you know, teachers for him. But that's kind of like really, yes. I think he might be the best example of like, it takes a village because literally every single yeah, character yeah. of any like real import in this series is teaching him stuff. There's even situations when Aizen was, like, teaching him shit. And it's like, why, dude? You're, like, enemies, bro. Yeah, why would you Why would you do that? So he's going to... Well, we know why later. Because, like, Aizen was trying to foster him to be a proper opponent. Right, but even, but, like, Okiora, like, started teaching him yes, some stuff. And yes. it's like, you're a direct competitor. Yeah, like, this person you're teaching will probably kill you. So what are you doing, right? Not only probably, right. definitely. <laughs> It definitely 100% happened. So you're right. Yeah. If you want to talk about it, it takes a village, but like, it's almost as if that village never like agreed to any of that. It's just that he happened to learn along the way, but he's just a dude of such raw talent. He's like, again, he's like, he's almost like a Kenichi, right? Is that he's like a perfect disciple. He has all the skill and all of the hidden talent to actually make being a tutelage to anyone work. And as he absorbed everybody's shit, then he just became that much more potent. Okay, so, Kenichi had zero talent. <laughs> he just I mean he worked he, but, his fucking uh, clearly ass he must off. have, right? No, he worked his but ass he, off, dude. He did work his ass off, I will say. But I think he did he must have had some talent for it because, you know, if you didn't, 
doesn't matter how much work you got. If it's not for you, it's not for you, right? I don't know. I think that literally the point of that show is to be like, you can turn into a badass and bang the super hot chick if you just work hard enough. I swear that's the point of the show. Where I think so. Whereas too. Bleach is just okay. like fair, fair. Yeah. By the way, your dad's a captain. Your for some reason, mom is a high level Quincy yeah, royal. Park, you know, a noble Quincy. You're also for some reason a fucking hollow. Yeah. Also, uh, you got a full ring. And uh, what else can we slam in there? <laughs> oh, that's right. Maybe you just happen to have a little bit of transcendent being in your ass too. Why not? Right. You just happen Only to on transcend the all of the <laughs> Yeah. Only on the weekends. Fuck that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Ichigo is just that convergence of talent, so he of of pedigree, if anything. So, uh, you know, I I kind of want to end this. Like, if you if you had to be under the tutelage of one of the teachers we have mentioned today, who would you want to be under, and why? You know, I I do I I thought about this obviously, like of all these series right. and all of these like situations. Who would you want as your daddy senpai? Well, I think that probably the most like informative and like life changing of the situations would probably be the Koro Sensei situation, where like no, okay. not only are you you're like learning obviously like school shit. But he was, like, making them fit. He was making them, like, giving them, like, genuine skills potentially for, like, if you had to get a job after in the military, you could easily do that. Like, I don't know. There was just, like, something about it that was, like, so utilitarian that I was, like, you know what? That's totally, like, a a reasonable option. Um, I don't know that there's too many of these other, like, teachers that, like, really all, all, like, appealed to me all that much, to be honest. Like, just, like, thinking of, like, real human being, okay. like, not super-powered, right? I, if it were me, I think I would take Mike Guy. I, I, I gotta Mike be honest, would I would be... definitely not be able to handle Mike's, like, exuberance. I know, and that's, it's interesting that, I, w- I was saying that knowing, like, Ethan would never, Ethan could, ne- Ethan could never put up with that shit. I don't so, think I, you he, could put up with it personally. I I'd be kind of keen on no fucking. If I were shot. to tell him like, if I were to tell him like, hey, I'm starting at you know like I could probably do like fifty push-ups in a row, and he's like, all right, cool, we're gonna get you to two hundred and fifty by the end of the week. I'd be like, oh fuck me. I feel like though there'd be a way like I don't know. There, there's something about his like real kind of straight edged philosophy that I think I can maybe get behind the simplicity of it. But I guess All right, other than him, envision this, you're sleeping. Okay. It's 4am. You're, you're, you're snoozing. You got your little, flo- your froggy coin purse next to your bed. He's sleeping too. Um, you just I had, told you that in co- I told you that in confidence. You just How had Ichiraku ramen last night. You had a really good True. night. Facts. You and you and team Facts. team eleven boys got hammered at you know the the I think it was like a barbecue spot afterwards. Like it's always like you and the squad spot, yeah. just had a really good fucking night, right? Like sake to the yeah, nines for sure. For sure. You're in your little like yeah. your froggy pajamas. You're sleeping under your your weighted blanket, of course. It's like a cozy ass night. 
4 a.m. comes comes around. He slams through the door and he's like, "Springtime of youth, bitches! Let's go <laughs> practice." And you're like, "Dude, come on! I've been asleep for literally two hours. I'm hungover. I'm still drunk." Oh shit, dude, you're right. Oh goddamn, you're right. <laughs> oh, that's oh no. He wouldn't let me drink though. That's the whole thing. He would not let me drink. So what do you mean? I, I he guess- was forcibly making Rockley drunk constantly. Damn it, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, shit. Fine, fine. It'd be Gojo, because Gojo would let me watch bullshit movies at, like, the wee crack of night, and, like, he wouldn't make me wake up early. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if we're just... You came in heavy with that scenario, which is, <laughs> with my guy, such a reality that it probably on the daily, and you're right. I am a morning guy, but I'm not that kind of morning guy. And in response to your impeccable logic, you know, Satro Gojo would be the goat. If he can teach me curse energy, then I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah, I think he, I think humans can pull that off. He, like he can even probably teach me something I probably could learn, even in the lore of the show. We saw characters go from nothing to something with curse energy in that show, so I think he can actually teach me something I could probably use. So I'm in. He's, I'm in for he that. He did seem, does seem like genuinely a pretty good teacher, but he does seem like, and, and I think we did talk about it during, uh, after the movie maybe, where he's like borderline a little bit aloof. Um, yeah, we talked about that at the, yeah, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Yeah, we talked about that with him. Right. It's where it might be like a little bit tough to like connect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. The fact that he just doesn't. But it could it doesn't even really care if you exist or not. And when you're brought onto a job, it's just like, okay, you're part of the job now, and it's not going to be any tutelage then. He, I don't remember Gojo giving Yuji any tutelage while actually on the job. All the other time that he would. He's, but he's like, really okay, a sink or swim type teacher, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, but I can vibe with that. I can vibe with that. Like, like okay, I taught you some stuff. You got to use it or you're going to be dead. Like, all right, fuck it. Like, <laughs> what what else am I gonna do, right? I could I could honestly see Izumi Curtis being like probably the best teacher, especially for like kids without a mom. So it's like sometimes you just need that like maternal like type of personality because she was like obviously not super super like lovey dovey or anything, but like you could tell genuinely but, she yeah. cared down deep. She cared. Yeah, I was gonna and, say, and, like, and almost a little bit like Genkai, you know, because. Um, Yusuke's mom was kind of a complete ditz, to be honest, right? Um, yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah. having, like, a, a, a maternal figure that actually has, like, some some uh, some chutz behind her, I think could help, too. I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, maybe I still, like, would go with my guy, whoever I picked. I can't even remember. I think Koro-sensei. Um, I, He's like Koro-sensei. I think Onizuka would be too much of a bro for me to like really connect with his teaching style. Especially, I, I think this is also hard because at this point I'm like nearly 30. So any of the teachers that are like less than 30 <laughs> would be like, hey, son. Not good. Yeah. It's not going to work for me, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Gojo. I, I think that his laissez-faire attitude, I think, would would vibe with me very well. But when it when it comes down to it, he would be. He'd be the teacher I need to push me. No tests. So, no, no tests, all exams. Right. 
Life is an exam. Oh, okay, girl. Okay, fine. Yeah, whatever, Go man. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> whatever, man. But you know what? Thank you guys for coming to this very educational episode about educators. It's one of those ones. We haven't done a favorites in a while. So, like, I'm glad we got to talk about these professors and, you know, get to talk about these senpais that we can take a little bit as your professors back with us to make our game better. You know, it's important to evaluate the legendaries, the greats, Ethan. You have to. Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I think we covered a pretty wide space swath of teachers a wide swath of shows and even types of shows like i think a notable you know exception that we didn't mention would be aizawa but he's so like i think normal teacher wise like he he does very I, much know, care but like we didn't really have to mention him because we got him covered by a lot of others i think exactly so you know what as far as the teachers we did show the uh, i think Anime and Japanese narratives like love their senpais. They love their senseis. And, you know, depend whatever flavor is for you. Let us know in our Discord which is your favorite senpai or sensei by coming into patreon.com slash ubology one darn up. Get you into that Discord with all of our past guests and our lovely Patreon folk. We've been talking lately about the current shows and we have a new channel just for spoilers. You can go in and just spoil to your heart's content. It's a lot. And I, I don't go in there because it's a minefield for me right now as a One Piece, new One it Piece It would watcher. be extremely dangerous. They are, <laughs> it would they be are very dangerous. nonstop spoiling like current One Piece. <laughs> That's why we gave them a whole, there's a whole room for that. Yeah. You can just go and scream spoilers into the ether. But $3 and up in that same Patreon gives you the syllabus sidebar, the lo-fi high fives, sometimes anime, sometimes not, sometimes on hiatus, and sometimes visual show where we talk about life and things and stuff that may not make it onto this main feed. So if you want to hear just about random random things that aren't teacher-related or anime-related, but they could be anime-related, I don't know. It's all a grab bag over there. Just go over there and get it. But if you want to listen to more of our stuff, you're already on the platform, guys. Just go on over. One click, boom, hold the whole catalog. But any episode that you happen to pick after this one has all the links to get all the visual and audio goodness wherever you get podcasts or do the like, comment, subscribe things. And uh, yeah, go do those things there. And I think that's honestly all I had. I am going to go do some late night editing and then absolutely just pass out because I've, I've been doing nothing but sleeping today. <laughs> that's my whole mode. Yeah, sometimes right when you sleep a lot, it's just like you need more sleep for some reason, you know? Yeah, until I can round out my sleep to a cool 20 hours a day. I'm Ricky. <laughs> and I'm Ethan. And this is No Ebology. Deuces. <laughs> I'm just going to go back and sleep. All Please right. Good night. <laughs> Snoozes and deuces. <laughs>